All right, you may be seated. Uh, I just want to start out by saying I am Brent Fugate. Anybody that's visiting that might be confused, I'm not Chuck Davis. Chuck was supposed to be here this morning to do the opening, uh, and he was not able to be here for uh, reasons that I'll let Chuck go into, but he's fine. Chuck's fine. So I am Brent, and I wanted to start off by saying a big thank you to our praise band this morning. Some of you that are, that are here routinely might have noticed that we had a, a few missing pieces in our praise band this morning. It was just people being on vacation and that sort of thing. So uh, a big thank you to Holly for stepping up and, and organizing those folks this morning so that we could have our praise and worship music. In March of 2020, just as the pandemic started, my wife, Anne, and I traveled to Barcelona, Spain for a vacation. Some of you might have remembered this. Some of you advised us not to go because there was this worldwide concern. Uh, quick side note, yeah, traveling abroad at the start of a pandemic may not be the smartest thing I've ever done. Although I have zero regrets because we had an awesome time and we did make it back. It was close, but we did make it back. We thought we were going to maybe be stuck in Spain for a while. Leading up to that trip, I tried to learn as much Spanish as I possibly could. This was not my first attempt at learning Spanish. Like many of you, I'd taken a couple of years of it in high school. And throughout my life since that time, I, I would intermittently try to learn the language. And these attempts, to say they were not successful would be an exaggeration. My Spanish remained no muy bueno. I can't even say it correctly. <laughs> Knowing I was actually going to be in Spain, though, it motivated me to redouble my learning efforts. I practiced daily using a language learning app called Duolingo for the six months leading up to my trip. And I was feeling, I was feeling pretty good about the Spanish I learned, I knew I wasn't fluent, but I thought, you know, I really feel like, I really feel like when we get there, I will be able to communicate at a basic level. As soon as I landed in Spain, those hopes were quickly dashed. Language was a barrier that my efforts couldn't overcome. Even when people speak the same language, we have difficulty understanding one another. Anybody that has ever been married or has had a job knows there are times where communicating, even when everybody is speaking English, is difficult. People, we have a hard time understanding one another. We don't see situations from other people's perspective. We fail to communicate, not just because we speak different languages, but because even when we speak the same language, we have a hard time knowing what one another are thinking, and we have an even harder time knowing what is true. In today's verses, the Holy Spirit brings about a famous miracle. It is a miracle of language and understanding. Through this miracle, we can learn a lot about the Holy Spirit. So if you would please turn with me to Acts chapter 2. We're going to read verses 
1 through 13. Those verses can be found on page 855 if you're using the Pew Bible and will also be projected on the screen behind me. Hear the word of the Lord. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they, this is the early Christians, were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And as this sound, and at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that and how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome. Both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others mocking said, they are filled with new wine. Amen. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord remains forever. This is probably the most well-known passage in the Bible in which the Holy Spirit is involved. I don't think that most Christians, when they read this passage, focus on the parts they should. Yes, the Holy Spirit comes down on Christians through physical manifestations. Those present, they, they feel wind, they see fire, and they hear in their own languages. While what is happening is cool, it is not the main point readers are supposed to focus on. The Holy Spirit's arrival is a continuation of God's purposes. The Holy Spirit reveals himself. When Christians experience the revelation of the Holy Spirit, understanding happens that results in unity. The sensory aspects of what is happening in these verses are important, but they are secondary to what is happening spiritually. Today's passage is filled with links to other parts of the Bible. The first thing that jumps out is how similar these verses are in the beginning of Acts to verses that can be found at the beginning of Luke. Now, this makes sense. Luke was the author of both the Gospel of Luke and the Acts of the Apostles. Both books were dedicated to Theophilus, who was probably a patron that funded Luke's writing. Each book was written to tell one part of a larger story. 
Luke had certain tendencies, as all human authors do. And God used those tendencies to communicate his word. For all these reasons, it is not surprising that Luke would start off telling the second part of the story similarly to how he told the first part. You all have probably noticed that the stories I tell in sermons often have like a similar style, a similar sound. The similarities between Luke and Acts are not just an incidental product of Luke's personal idiosyncrasies, though. They reflect an intentional editorial strategy. The events Luke is reporting on are, in both books, are similar. At the beginning of Luke, a crowd of people is expectantly waiting together for the promised Messiah. At the beginning of, the, of Acts, a crowd of people is expectantly waiting together for the promised Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has a role in both passages as well. In Luke, Zechariah, John the Baptist's father, is told the Holy Spirit will fill his son to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. On Pentecost in Acts, the whole crowd of Christians are filled with the same presence of the Holy Spirit so they can testify the Lord has come. What is happening in Acts is similar to what has happened before in Luke and other places in Scripture, but also radically different from anything that has ever happened before. The believers gathered in Acts knew something big was going to happen. They just didn't know what exactly. In a sermon a few weeks back, we talked about how Jesus promise the Holy Spirit as a helper. In a less than two month period of time since that promise was made, a lot has happened. Jesus was crucified and resurrected. In chapter one of Acts, he ascended to heaven. The last thing Luke records Jesus saying before leaving is a response to his followers about what is coming next. They wanted to know if Jesus was going to restore the kingdom of Israel. Jesus said, it is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. These early followers had been waiting for the Holy Spirit as Jesus commanded them for the past 10 days, but they didn't, really, they didn't really know what they were waiting for. When the Holy Spirit does come down, there is no mistaking what is happening. Suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing Wind In John 3.8, Jesus had said, The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. 
In Job chapter 40, verse 6, God answers Job's complaints against him out of a whirlwind. The wind that indicates the Holy Spirit's presence then divided into tongues of fire and rested on each of those who had been waiting. God's presence has been associated with fire before as well. It happened with Moses at the burning bush. Throughout the Exodus, a pillar of fire existed over the Israelites in the night. Making clear the links between what is happening with the Holy Spirit in these verses and other parts of the Bible is clearly a priority for Luke. It is a priority for Luke because it is a priority for God. The Holy Spirit is not a creation of Luke, any of the apostles, or even Jesus. The existence of the Holy Spirit is not a historical development. We've been talking about the Holy Spirit for the past several weeks. We have seen how the Spirit had a role in creation. It is just as correct to say the Holy Spirit is God as it is to say that Jesus is God. It is important there be no confusion about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is fully a member of the Trinity. That is why Luke is making such an effort to make clear that the Holy Spirit has always been present throughout the pages of Scripture. The Holy Spirit is not new. We all like to be able to say we have discovered something new. If you discover something new, whatever you discover belongs to you to some extent. When explorers from Europe traveled around the world and happened upon a land they were not previously aware of, they called the land new and claimed ownership of it for their nation. Such a discovery resulted in tremendous wealth. The same thing happens on a much smaller scale when a person discovers a new band, workout routine, diet, or restaurant. They feel a sense that whatever this thing they have discovered is, that it belongs to them. And ownership entitles that person to some level of control. It's actually not unusual for someone to get really angry that a band they feel like they have discovered is making music, new music that they don't like. Like, it feels like a personal insult. Both an explorer claiming to have discovered a continent and a person today claiming to discover a band is completely preposterous. The people that were already living in newly discovered lands were often caught off guard by the claim these discoveries entitled the one who made them to ownership. The person who claims to have discovered a band, a movie, or a restaurant has only been made aware of something that has already been in development for years, sometimes even decades. As ridiculous as it is, for a person to claim they have discovered a country song that is getting played on, a ra on the radio or a continent that is already inhabited, it is infinitely, infinitely, infinitely more ridiculous 
for anyone to believe, they have discovered the Holy Spirit. Yet that is how we act sometimes. The Spirit has been around. This needs to be absolutely clear so that nobody thinks the Holy Spirit belongs to them. Or they have control over the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit isn't discovered in today's verses. The Holy Spirit reveals himself. This is an important delineation. The Holy Spirit is initiating a new, more personal revelation. As modern Westerners, it is easy for us to think of the Holy Spirit as this sort of mystical force that we tap into. This is an Eastern religious idea that has pervaded our thinking. I, I mostly blame Star Wars for that. The Holy Spirit is an active person of the Trinity. What is unique in these verses is that the people present don't experience the revelation of the Holy Spirit from without. They experience it from within. Even the new relational dynamic unfolding in today's verses is the fulfillment of what scripture had promised long before. Through the Old Testament prophet Joel, God said, it will come about after this that I will pour out my spirit on all mankind and your sons and daughters will prophesy, your old men will dream dreams, your young men will see visions, even on the male and female servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. God inhabiting man through the Spirit has always been the plan. In these verses, the plan has come into a new stage of actualization through the Spirit's revelation of himself. What occurred when the Holy Spirit revealed himself in those who had been waiting on his presence is both dramatic and important. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them utterance. The situation is described further in the verses that follow. In Jerusalem at the time, you had people from all over the world. There were Parthians, Medes, Elamites, Mesopotamians, Judeans, Cappadocians, Asians, Phrygians, Pamphlians, Egyptians, Libyans, Romans, Cretans, and Arabians. There were also residents of Pontus. I didn't list them with everyone else because I'm not sure what you call someone from Pontus. I came up with pontoon. They're pontoons. So Luke makes sure to highlight all the nationalities present. Each hears in their own native language, a miracle is happening that the Spirit's presence has brought about. What's happening isn't the same sort of speaking in tongues as is addressed elsewhere later in the New Testament. These are not mysterious languages being spoken by these Christians. We're going to address those charismatic gifts of the Spirit that get focused on a lot in some circles of Christianity next week. The communication happening here isn't just between one person and God. It involves everyone. 
The point is that these people with dozens of native languages, they hear the truth of Jesus Christ in their own tongue. The people who hear what is happening are stunned. The Bible describes them as amazed, astonished, and perplexed. The fact that diverse people understand the truth of Jesus Christ and one another to the glory of God when the Holy Spirit reveals himself to Christians for the first time is worth unpacking. The Spirit has the full power of God. There are plenty of ways the Spirit could have shown this power. The Spirit could have brought about physical healing like Jesus so often did. He could have exerted power over water in these verses to link up with what God had done previously in the Genesis flood or when the Israelites crossed the Red Sea and the Jordan River. Some sort of water-based miracle would have connected with Jesus being baptized, Jesus walking on water, or Jesus calming the storm as well. The miracle of language and understanding that happens at Pentecost is chosen by God for a reason. When the Holy Spirit shows up in this new way, a diversity of people that are divided by tribe and nation are able to hear and understand the same fundamental truth. This miracle does more than show off the Holy Spirit's power. This miracle highlights one of the Holy Spirit's main purposes. Pentecost, the Holy Spirit coming down to inhabit early Christians so that everyone can understand the same truth is a reversal of the confusion and languages and understanding God brought about in the Tower of Babel story back in Genesis 11. The details of that story are well known. The people of Babel decide to build a tower that will reach to heaven. These people, they're, they're unified among themselves. But the unity they sought, it had no place for God in it. God came down and confused their language and understanding, dispersing them over the face of the earth because he knew that human unity in which he was not included would turn out for the worse. The Holy Spirit undoes Babel in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. People from all over the world, they understand one another. Language is no longer a barrier. Unlike at Babel where God was excluded by the people in Acts, God through the Holy Spirit is the basis for unity. Whenever the Holy Spirit is in operation, there will be unity. Paul makes this point in Ephesians 4, 4 through 6, saying, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. It is a tragedy that so often when the Holy Spirit is brought up in the present, 
the result is not unity, but division. Where the Holy Spirit is, the division of Babel will be less pronounced. The unity of Pentecost will be increasing. Now, only the Holy Spirit can bring about this unity. It transcends simply being able to speak the same language. The unity of the Spirit exhibits a shared mind based on the universal truth of Jesus Christ. Don't get me wrong, I would love it if the Holy Spirit's presence meant I could speak any language I needed in any given circumstance. It, It would be incredibly cool to be able to travel anywhere without having to worry about being able to communicate. I've never had the Holy Spirit manifest himself in my life that way. Maybe that will happen, but probably not because that's not the Holy Spirit's primary focus. The problem with people communicating is not primarily one of speaking different languages. Every person has the same problem. We all see and experience the world from our own limited perspective. Left to our own devices, we miss out on God's universal truth that is the basis of unity. The presence of the Holy Spirit leads to unity because the more people experience the Holy Spirit, the more we operate from God's perspective. Throughout the Bible, hints were given of how God was going to enter humanity through the Holy Spirit. In today's verses, the Holy Spirit revealed himself in Christians for the first time. The result was a unity that transcended the limits of person and culture. This unity is only possible by God's provision through the Holy Spirit. The world is being brought into alignment with God's truth and purposes. Pentecost was a major shift in the execution of God's plan that continues to the present day. The Holy Spirit's ambition through us, through Christians, remains the same. To bring about unity through connecting us to the universal truth of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Let's pray. Dear Lord, there are so many ways in which the way we think, the way we talk, the way we act and believe are a product of our own views on the world, Lord. They're a product of the culture that we exist in. And so often these perspectives lead us astray, Lord. I pray that your spirit would be so present in our lives, Lord, that that all the ways that we impede your spirit would be thrown down and that the spirit would work through us, that we might know the truth of Jesus Christ completely and share it with the world so that we can experience our own Pentecost here in the present day, Lord. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.